These have been challenging times, but the body of Christ has proven itself resilient. We've gathered in different ways, in different places, yet stood steadfast as the church. We have found peace in God's promise to never leave us or forsake us. In our separation, we have remained united. In our struggle, we have lived out our faith. In the midst of the unknown, we have leaned on the strength of an all-knowing God. Throughout history, the church has thrived in adversity, and this moment is no different. The power of God is unstoppable, His love unending, His grace unrelenting, His glory undeniable. Today, no matter where we gather, we remain God's people. Our mission has not changed. Our calling has not been altered, and nothing, absolutely nothing, will ever change that. What is different for you today than what you were doing a year and a half ago? I think the first thing we'd probably say would be these masks. Um, I have these everywhere, uh, in every pocket, every uh, backpack or laptop bag, in every compartment of my truck. I carry these all the time. Before 2020, I don't remember the last time I wore a mask. I think it was probably like 1991 when I was 11 years old. And here I am at 40 wearing them every single day. The second thing that's probably a bit different is uh, hand sanitizer, okay, these guys. Um, I was a big hand sanitizer user long before COVID-19. I probably use it a little bit more now than I did before, but uh, not too much. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have ever uh, got the, the bad smelling hand sanitizer. I'm a bit of a hand sanitizer snob. I need the good smelling ones. And so you ever gone to a store and use their hand sanitizer and it smells terrible? It's like, it smells like tequila, like someone just put tequila in that bottle and I just splashed it all over my hands. You know what I'm talking about. That stuff's terrible. I've gotten a litany of good smelling hand sanitizer and it is essential. Um, and we've got hand sanitizer, but how about handshakes, okay? How about the good old handshake? Man, I'm a handshaker, I'm a hugger. That was a tough habit to break during this past year. I can't tell you how many times I extended a hand forward only to be received with like an elbow extension or perhaps a fist bump or perhaps a, a hello from the distance. I get it, I totally understand. Um, and then also Clorox wipes. There was a shortage of these last spring. Um, and so if you found them at the store, they were gold. They limited you. They said, no, 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 you can only buy two of these. Um, we gotta spread the wealth. I, I never thought I'd be wiping down groceries. Um, I never pictured myself wiping down a bag of Cool Ranch Doritos that showed up delivered on my front porch. At our Easter services, we, we wiped down every one of our chairs in between services. We'd never done that before. Like on a regular Sunday morning, like we're not, after you leave, we're not wiping down um, chairs with Clorox. No. Uh, we have spent a year, perhaps the hardest year of our lives, social distancing, wearing masks, not hugging, not being with each other in the same way. And it has certainly taken a toll. It affects us. This virus has taken 
much more than people's lives. And this in no way minimizes the physical toll COVID-19 has caused on us. 600,000 Americans lost their lives to this terrible virus. Uh, almost 4 million people across the globe. Millions of families across this planet have lost a grandparent, a parent, a son, a daughter, a friend because of this terrible virus. And it's not over yet. I have been asked lots of times throughout this pandemic, how's Prodigal doing? How, how has COVID-19 affected your church? And what they want to know is, have people left your church and have people stopped giving to your church? We have spent a year worshiping from our phones, our computer screens, our TVs. And late last summer, Prodigal Church met in a, a, a parking lot. Yeah, we had everybody pull in, turn their AM FM radio to a certain station, and then we used an FM transmitter from a stage a good distance away, and we worshiped in a parking lot in our cars. Then we went back online when Fresno became the number one metropolitan area in all the world in COVID transmission rate. We wanted our staff and families to be safe and healthy. We wanted our church to be safe and healthy. And we wanted our community to be safe and healthy. So we went back to online services through that winter surge. That was a very difficult period. It was a very difficult period for um, our community here in the Central Valley, but it was also a very difficult period for us as a church. Um, we got over 40 calls in a span of two weeks of families that all had COVID. Uh, they asked for prayers. Uh, they asked for support. They asked for help. 40 families in two weeks. In February, we had outdoor services at Fort Washington every other week until Easter. And then on Easter 2021, on Resurrection Sunday, we began meeting every week in person, outdoors at Fort Washington. And it was a blessed season. Here we are today, back to where our church started almost four years ago. Have people left our church? Yes. For some people, they really felt like their family needed to be worshiping indoors and in person. And so they found a church that felt the same way. And as their pastor, it was very difficult and is still very difficult for me to see them go. I love them. I love their families. I love their kids. I'll miss them holding their child's hand, walking from the parking lot into Bullard High School Theater. I'll miss giving them hugs on Sunday mornings. I'll miss shaking their hands. I'll miss seeing their kids on stage doing a kid's performance during Christmas season. I'll miss all those things. I love them. I miss them. They're good people. And they did what they believed was right. So did we. And during these unprecedented times, I can say with all of my conviction, with 100% certainty, that I am proud of the choices that Prodigal Church has made during this pandemic. And though our decisions have made, may have had a negative effect on our bottom line, our bottom line has never been our bottom line. Our bottom line has always been love God, love people. And Prodigal Church has done that and done that well throughout this season. So yeah, people have left our church. Some have stopped giving to prodigal. But God has also brought new people during this season. New people to our church. 
Our Facebook, YouTube, and Prodigal app have had over 250,000 minutes watched this past year, 170,000 more than the previous year. Our iTunes podcast has almost 15,000 downloads this year. It's almost 400,000 minutes of teaching, okay? We have had hundreds of people watching and listening from places like Spain, Russia, the Philippines. We have regular listeners from all over the country. Shout out to Columbus, Ohio. We don't know who you are, but God does, and you are a part of us, and we love you, Columbus, Ohio. We're going to continue to invest and grow our online presence. We've seen it make a difference. It does make a difference, whether we know the people who are watching and, and worshiping along with us or not. Our online ministry isn't going anywhere. We have seen many of you who are with us in person now and consider Prodigal Church your home. You found us because of the internet. And we're so grateful that God has brought you here. And the last thing I'd like to say in regards to this State of the Church address is this, that throughout this pandemic, Prodigal Church has given over $11,000 to Kingdom Work in Southeastern Africa. We've given out over 4,000 boxes of food through our food distributions this spring and summer. And we have paid all of our staff their full salary throughout the pandemic, zero cuts for them and their families. Our church has not missed one payment on any of our bills and Prodigal Church has zero debt. So yeah, we lost some, but the Lord provides. So thank you for your generosity, thank you. We know times have been hard, but you have continued to faithfully give and support this ministry and we can't thank you enough. You're the reason why we're growing and you're the reason why Prodigal Church has such a bright future ahead. As my son would say, let's go, let's go. And now the sermon. Matthew chapter 22. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. We just finished a five-week sermon series on the book of Exodus, and there we saw the giving of the law to God's people on Mount Sinai. And we saw that there was a lot of laws in Exodus, a lot of laws in the Old Testament, 613 to be exact. In the Jewish tradition, they are called mitzvot, okay, commandments. And here in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 22, Jesus is asked, out of the 613 mitzvot, out of the 613 commandments, which is the greatest? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Here, Jesus says, let me summarize everything for you. Let me summarize the 613 commandments. Let me summarize all of the Old Testament. Love God, love people. What God? Well, the God revealed by Jesus on Calvary's cross. What people? All people, all of them. Which ones out of all of them? And Jesus is like, I didn't stutter, okay? Love all people, love nice people, love mean people, love Muslim people, love atheist people, love Jewish people, love Democrats, love Republicans, love straight people, love gay people, love other types of Christians, love all faces, love all races, and love in all places. This is the greatest command. If you think that part of loving God for you is hating a particular group of people or a particular person, you're doing it wrong. You're not loving the God revealed on Calvary's cross who died for sinners and forgave them with his last dying breath. 
Now, I'm a sports movies fan. I, I love movies like Hoosiers, uh, Remember the Titans, The Replacements. And one of the reasons I love sports movies so much is that they get you into the locker room. They get you behind to hear the pregame speech or the halftime speech, and they're amazing. And perhaps one of the most well-known pregame speeches that ever took place was in 1961. It was July. 38 members of the Green Bay Packers football team were, were gathered together for the first day of training camp. And the previous season had just ended. A heartbreaking defeat in the fourth quarter to the Philadelphia Eagles, and they lost the championship. And the Green Bay players had been thinking about this brutal loss throughout the offseason. Imagine that. The team you love the most, the team that you're invested in, loses the championship the last game. I've been dealing with that. I know something about that these past several months. And their coach, Vince Lombardi, had a different idea. Uh, he, he wasn't going to uh, just go back to the same old, same old. He was going to go back to the beginning. He was going to realign the team from its very inception. As the story goes, Lombardi stood in front of his teams and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. And he showed him a football. He's coaching a group of professionals, athletes who just months prior had come within minutes of achieving the highest pinnacle in sports. And yet, he starts at the very beginning. Lombardi's methodical alignment of the fundamentals continued through training camp. Each player reviewed how to block and tackle. They opened the playbook and they started at play number one. At some point, Max McGee, the Packers wide receiver, joked, Coach, slow down. You're going a little too fast. Lombardi reportedly cracked a smile but continued his obsession with the basics. His team would be the best in the league in the things that everyone else took for granted. Six months later, the Green Bay Packers beat the New York Giants 37-0 in the NFL Championship. And Lombardi began a streak that would lead him to be considered the greatest football coach of all time. And what Vince Lombardi was doing is he was saying, hey guys, I know we're champions. I know we've got the momentum, but I gotta let you understand, we can't lose sight of the basics. We can't lose sight of the vision and mission that we are called to do. Gentlemen, this is a football. One of the reasons organizations or teams or businesses or churches drift off mission is that they assume that they have clarity in their mission. They assume that everyone knows what their mission is, what their values are, and that's why Vince Lombardi would get up at the very first preseason and say, this is a football. Let, you, let me remind you of why we're here. This is the mission. This is what we're doing. And so every once in a while, I want to stand up here, whether online or in person, because of one of the ways that I can serve you and serve this amazing church is to remind you of what our mission is, what our values are, where we're headed, our vision. And I want to remind you what God has called us to do and what our main thing is. And so this morning, today, June 13th, 2021, this is our preseason talk. This is our halftime speech. It's, a, it's us calling a timeout and reminding us of our why, our how, and our what. And that's what Jesus does in Matthew 22. What Jesus does in Matthew 22, we're going to be doing today. Prodigal Church, we exist to love God and love people. That's our heart. That's our posture. People will often um, ask to meet with me to discuss uh, policies or our certain stances on certain issues. And they meet with me to ensure that what we're against is what they're against. And though their heart may be in the right place, it's simply missing the point. We at Prodigal Church do not want to be known for what we are against. We want to be known for what we are for, and we are for Jesus. We are for loving God and loving people. Hey, what's your policy on love God, love people? 
as we follow Jesus. I truly believe this. Yeah, we'll change the world. We won't just change our church, our city, our communities, our, our nation. We could change the world. This is something Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. If we were to actually follow Jesus, he would lead us into all kinds of incredible things. One historian writes this, that one of the ways Christianity spread like wildfire across the ancient world was because of the way his followers treated sick people and how they followed Jesus in, in teaching and loving others. You see, leprosy uh, meant isolation. It meant death. And Christians would be among the lepers, would touch the lepers. Jesus himself models this. There was a church father named Basil, and he had this idea that what if we built a place to love and care for the lepers and the sick? They don't have to have any money. We'll raise it. And you know, this was the beginning of what would become known as hospitals. Hospitals were started because of the radical teachings of Jesus. And we're so grateful. Another follower of Jesus, Jean-Henri Duneau, in the 1800s, couldn't stand the sound of wounded soldiers on the battlefield, so he devoted his life to helping wounded soldiers in the middle of battles. And ultimately, that became what we now know as the Red Cross. Every time you see that Red Cross at disasters all across the world, that's actually a thumbprint of Jesus. That was started because the followers of Jesus practiced the radical teachings of Jesus. It, what were these radical teachings? Let's, let's get really practical today to, so that we too may follow the radical teachings of Jesus. Let's find one teaching of Jesus that we can apply to our lives and let's make sure it's simple and applicable to where we are here and now in 2021. How about this one? The golden rule. Matthew chapter 7, found in the Sermon on the Mount. Do to others whatever you would like them do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. This is a football. Do to others as you would have them do to you. So simple, so profound. Jesus was the first to teach this golden rule. You might be asking, don't, don't all religions like have some kind of form of the golden rule? That's true, but it's also a bit of a stretch. Not all religions touch on it at all. Those who do speak of it in the negative, not in the positive. Here's some examples. Confucius says this, never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. Bahula of the Baha'i faith, he says, ascribe not to any soul that thou would not ascribe to thee. The Buddha, Siddhartha Gautama says this, hurt not others in ways that you yourself would find hurtful. The Hindu scriptures, one should never do that to another, which one regards as injurious to oneself. And then even in the Wicca faith, if it harms none, do what you want. Here's the problem with this. This is nowhere close to the ethic we find in Jesus. This is not the golden rule. The I will do to others as you would have them do to me, that changes the world. The, hey, I'm not hurting anybody, so leave me alone ethic, that changes nothing. It is not enough to simply say, I'm not going to injure people. I'm not going to hurt others. We must do something to actually change their circumstances. We must do some kind of action. Uh, it's not about inaction. The other expressions are not the golden rule. At best, they're silver. They're probably more bronze of anything. Only Jesus goes for the gold. Do to others what you would have them do unto you. If you it demands action, not refrain. It's not... Don't hurt me, I don't hurt you. It's no, I love you and I will act on your behalf. 
This is what we see throughout the scriptures, and this is what we see in the teachings, life, and example of Jesus of Nazareth. What you have in the other faiths is a silver rule of, of, of non-involvement. And we think because we're not doing anything bad that we're on par on the teachings of Jesus, and we're not. We're not even close. You're inactive. It doesn't change anything. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. This is a football. How are you doing with it? What does it look like to love God and love others? Well, God becomes the, the priority. It becomes the priority in our lives. He becomes the priority in our schedules. He becomes the priority in our finances. In loving people, maybe it's going to lunch with someone. Maybe it's taking the shift that no one wants at work. Maybe it means us forgiving someone even though they absolutely don't deserve it. Maybe it looks like us doing chores around the house that our spouse doesn't like to do. Prayerfully consider how you can do unto others this week and beyond. Hans Christian Andersen, uh, the author who wrote What Was to Become Frozen, wrote another fable. Another fable about princesses and princes. And in the fable, the prince searches around the world to find a true princess to be his bride. But something about each potential princess seems untrue, inauthentic. And so one night in a torrential rainstorm, a soggy woman knocks at the gate seeking shelter and claiming to be a princess. Could she be the one that the prince is to wed or is she another imposter? The queen devises a plan to test whether this young woman is in fact a true princess fit to marry her son. So she puts a pea, a tiny vegetable, underneath 20 mattresses and puts 20 thick blankets on top of the mattresses. The next morning, the queen asks the young woman how she slept. And the woman says, very badly, I have scarcely closed my eyes all night. Heaven knows what was in the bed, but I was lying on something hard so that I am black and blue all over my body. It's absolutely horrible. Everyone then knows this is a true princess for nobody but a real princess could be as sensitive as she. So the prince takes her as his bride. In Christ, you are royalty. To all you women out there who sat on your dad's lap and he called you princess, your dad was onto something. He was right. You are a princess. In Christ, you're royalty. You're a daughter of the king. We all need to be sensitive to the spirit. We need to have that sensitivity to God's spirit and how we can do unto others as we would have them do unto ourselves. We need to follow the spirit's lead in loving God and loving others. You're royalty. We were the beggars, but now we're royalty. Let's be a sensitive church, sensitive to the Spirit of God leading us in loving God and loving people. God, thank you for Prodigal Church. Thank you for the gift it is to, to my family. Thank you, God, that we get to be a part of it. We get to be a part of God's mission in the world, loving you and loving others. Help us to be practical examples, many Jesuses wherever we go. Loving you, loving others, doing unto others as you would have them do unto ourselves. We need that, we need you. Give us strength, God, let us be sensitive. Let us have an overwhelming sensitivity to the Spirit in loving you 
and loving others. In Jesus' name, amen. We want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. We're grateful to be back in the Bullard High School Performing Arts Theater. We want to invite you, if you are in the Fresno Clovis area, uh, at 10 a.m. every Sunday morning in the Bullard High School Theater, we'd love to meet you um, in person, say hello, and become a greater part of what God's doing here at Prodigal Church. We hope you have a great week. Peace in the Middle East.